<laughs> Guess what? I have more good things to say about Paul. Oh, he's really he's baby in these he, chapters, he isn't he? He is baby. He's baby. He's baby. <laughs> I wrote lots of notes about. Um, I wrote all lots the of things notes. that Paul is. I wrote lots of notes also, but my notes are very like. Um, I mean, most, most of it is just like Frank Herbert saying a weird tone of phrase and then me me being like, yeah, what? Uh, lots of I my notes are just, sort of what? Write the note, write the word, what? Um, I can see in your notes, lovely boy. Where? Here. <laughs> Do you know, actually, I think it's lonely boy. Oh, that's also good. But uh, he is lovely. He is the loneliest boy in the world. He's the loneliest boy in town. I think we covered this a little bit. Yeah. Uh, My notes include hmm in capital letters, uh, air in lowercase letters, Paul, comma, chill. I mind say Paul is a little shithead, because he is. He really is. I mind say whoa, Paul, <laughs> comma, obvious, because he's obvious. He is. What? Why not say nice racism? Nice racism there. Mean exclamation mark. <laughs> um, clumsy. We're doing good job here. Yeah, we are. <laughs> uh... Walk without rhythm. It won't attract the worm. I'm Ray. Hi. Ray, transforming, transforming gender Carter. <laughs> transforming gender. Transformed gender Carter. Gender transformation. <laughs> Vice Chancellor of the University. I, I had a text. I mean, I texted Ray earlier. Yeah, today, good one. Telling about telling them about one of my work colleagues talking about gender transformation. <laughs> Transformation of gender Carter. My colleagues are problematic. My pronouns are they them. Yay. <laughs> Who are you? Yay them. My name's Josie. Um my pronouns are <laughs> I uh she her. Mm-hmm. That's that's yep. what they have ha- been historically. Happy with that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm the, the, the figurehead. Yes. I'm the Chancellor of mm-hmm. the University. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you are. I'm a sort of a puppet king. <laughs> um, and I have no functional power. If there's anything that explains all the dynamic, I would say it was the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a good inversion that I'm the one. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, shall we start with the A Child's History of Mwadib quote? I think that would be traditional, yes. yes. I would really like if you read it. Okay. You can do it in whatever voice you want. I'm going to do it in normal voice. Okay. For listenability purposes. Yes. Can I say, though, I think Princess Irulan not being, like, the most beautiful and calming voice lady in the world and having just, like, a, a very shouty and Weird, silly voice. dramatic voice. Yes. I think that's very good. So, I mean, I love I love this um, quotation. I think it is actually really great. Mm-hmm. You have read that Muad'Dib had no playmates his own age on Caladan. The dangers were too great. This boy is so lonely. <laughs> it's too dangerous for him to have friends. In case they assassinate him. Right? <laughs> um, but but Muad'Dib did have wonderful companion teachers. Yeah. Yeah, he did. What a there nerd. Was, there was Gurney Halleck, the troubadour warrior. I love him. You will sing some of Gurney's songs as you read along in this book. Okay. 
will I? No, I, I want to put like a little asterisk there because um, I'm not convinced that. Well, there there is something about books later on, if not in the chapters that we're going to talk about, kind kind of coming up pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't really do books. They don't really. No, they don't. Actually, yeah. So how, I'm I'm how, really interested they in do talking film books, about it. So how yeah. are they going to read along? Anyway, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it when we get to yeah. it. You will sing some Gurney's songs as you read along in this book. There was Fufir Hawat, the old Mentat master of assassins, who struck fear even into the heart of the Padishah Emperor. Cool. There were Duncan Idaho, the sword. Duncan master- Idaho is a stupid name. It's the best <laughs> it's name. That really. Stupid. Stupid it is name. the best name. Oh, it sucks. There was there were Duncan Idaho, the swordmaster of Ginaz, Doctor Wellington Yue, a name black in treachery but yeah. bright in knowledge. Cool. The Lady Jessica, who guided her son in the Benegesserate way, and Love of course her. the Duke Leto, whose qualities as a father have long been overlooked. I underlined qualities and wrote which. Well, I mean, did you get to read the later chapter? I can't really remember what our uh, scope is. Yeah, I did. I, I listened. I, I found an audiobook for free <laughs> on my <laughs> podcast app. So I listened to some of it. And it was good, I think. I like... I have to um, say I like Leto. I find yeah. Leto compelling. I find Leto interesting and compelling. I don't think he's a good dad. Well, obviously not. But he's a no. duke. He doesn't he's, see... He's a good duke. Which is why his, it's important that his son has all these other fun dads. Yes. Supplementary Three dads. good dads. Three good dads. One's a bit evil, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think Dr. Yue is really sad. Um, Me too. Yeah. And, I mean, I was reading the Dr. Yue... Um, betrayal scene later mm-hmm. on. No spoilies, but it's more complicated than you would maybe think. Yeah, yeah. No, I um, I listened to a little bit where he. I really like all of his internal monologues. Me stuff too. That's happening. It's really interesting. I do think he's a, he's like a a well motivated and fleshed out character. Yeah, I think despite so. also being a racist, a creation. racist caricature. Yeah. <laughs> Of a Chinese man. God, so God, like, it sucks. This is the real 1965 racism. This is really racism. very bad. It's very bad. It's very bad. People have mentioned to me that they wanted to read June, and I was like, it's quite racist. Are you sure? <laughs> I don't think you... You don't have to. We're doing it. We're doing it for you. We're sort of chewing it up and this, feeding it to you. The sacrifice that we're making. Like we're telling a, you the good bits. Yeah. We're sort of doing the thing where, um, you know, like birds do. Where oh, they yes. When they feed their children. Regurgitate it yes. out into your mouth. We're coughing up this worm of a book into your hungry, open bird mouth. Worm, very thematic. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what happened in this chapter, Ray? Are you happy to summarise? Yeah. So, um... So Paul's Paul's Mentat assassin tutor comes into the room um, while Paul is sort of studying some some materials about Arrakis so he can find out more about where he's going. Mm. Um, they have a little conversation. They talk about what June is going to be like. Um, Paul kind of exposes that he's still quite under the hold of the Reverend Mother, even though she's been gone for a while. Mm. There's uh, a big flashback. Yeah. Um, a really portion. interesting flashback where she talks about what June is like. She talks about the world. Mm. And Paul kind of recounts this to to um, Thufu. And Thufu kind of thinks of her as witch-like and scary. Thufu is not very Mentat-like in his internal no, monologue. No, he's not. I also really like him. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I just think he's a nice man. He's he a caring is. man. Yeah. And he's seen much death. He's he's a good dad. He's a good to dad. Paul. And um, he probably was also a good dad to Leto yeah, back in the day. Yeah. He's been dads to all three of them, hasn't he? Leto's dad as yeah, well. Yeah. He old. Uh, he old. 
He old, man. He old. Anyway, so he old. They talk about the storms, which are bad, and they talk about the worms, which are bad. Um, they talk about the Reverend Mother and very scared, and they talk about how how difficult it is to live on Arrakis. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the great, like, the first sort of gross-out moment of water is going to be so scarce yeah. that people, ev- like, wear these suits that evaporate all their body water. I know. I thought that was really interesting. I think still suits is... I mean, I want to talk about this more, and I might not do it now. I might do it in a bit. Sure. But um, I think still suits are really an interesting thing to do mm-hmm. and show something really interesting and about I really how like, he was thinking. Yeah, I really like the fact that the first thing that Paul thinks about mm. the, the still suits is that they instill him with a feeling of desolation. Yeah. Desolation. Which I really I don't know, it's enjoy. sort of moving. Yeah. It, I mean, it forced me for the first time to really consider yeah. what would it be like to live... The first time I read this chapter... Without water. I felt... I It made me feel a thing. It made me feel like the fear of going from a place that you're familiar with and comfortable into reckoning with something really real and difficult. Yeah, and it made me think about privilege. Yeah, and it was interesting. Yeah. I don't know if that's something that... Frank Herbert intended or not, I, you know. I don't know if he actively intended it yeah. in the way that, you know, a writer who was writing in this decade yeah. would be engaging with those ideas. But it was really interesting to me because it it made me almost scared for myself because mm-hmm. I've always had this mindset of like one day I'll have to do something hard and there won't be a way around it or an excuse to not do it, and that's yes. going to be. But this that is also anxiety brain. <laughs> yeah, that is anxiety. It's fine. Um, I want to. Think, thinking about how it being cool, um, he's good. Foof, Foof is lovely. Foof I mean, there's, is great. there's a passage as well, also that I just really love. Mm-hmm. That is just full of uh, um, a feeling of real affection for Paul, yeah. who does not deserve it because he is a fifteen-year-old shithead. He is a shithead, but also I think he's baby. You know, he's he's baby. He is baby. We must allow him in like a begrudging way. We must allow him the you know uh, leniencies that people who are baby. He's they're both baby. right. Yeah. Thufir, he's supposed to go to Arrakis before the royal, the, the ducal family. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, he, he sort of says the kind of quite moving goodbye to yeah. Paul. Shall I read it? It's yeah. lovely. Uh-huh. Um, Hawat stood up. I leave today for Arrakis. Meanwhile, you take care of yourself for an old man who is fond of you. Heh! <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, comes come around here like good la- like a good lad yes. and sit facing the door. It's not that I think there's any danger in the castle. It's just a habit I want you to form, and it's just. It's I so really sweet. liked it. I rem- I I put a note next to it that says his dad, which probably <laughs> indicates that I wanted to talk about how this moment was really touching and really caring. <laughs> and Paul does a little joke back, and it just. I guess it established how sort of they had a familiar relationship that was really sweet and nice. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I just I felt I just really felt the feeling. Yeah. You know, all the Melville models. Yeah. They can be good. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. I was gonna no, I was gonna talk about personal stuff and then I was like, hmm, maybe not on the podcast. This is professional podcast time. Yeah, I don't think it is but <laughs> Yeah, okay, I can't find it, but there's something that goes back to where she talked as well. Um, water being the source of all life, mm. and, you know, that being parallel with water being really scarce on Arrakis. And then I was also thinking about, I mean, it's like a kind of a secondary theme of this book or this world is mm-hmm. AI. But, um... Well, I mean, you only believe that because I told you it in a loud voice. I mean, I'm... Yes, <laughs> that's true, that's how I learn it all things. Um, but it made me, it was very interesting to me because I was like, 
there's there's definitely a very specific way in which they that they consider life. Yeah, I guess. Um, so I mean, she does say a lot of weird, like messed up, cryptic things. Yeah. Um, she I does. really, and which I really love. Do you want to read some of it? I just, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, she sort of has this one great like aphorism mm-hmm. where she atten- essentially sort of like tells Paul that her dad, uh, his dad, didn't know how to rule. <laughs> and he's like. <laughs> Your dad and a... he was a shit about it. Yeah. Um, do you want to? Do you want to both I'll, read? That? I'll, 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 I I want to read a bit that's sort of a little bit further in, mm-hmm. and then you can read the other one yeah. if you want. Yeah. I mean, if you played the old lady and I played pool, I think that would be fun. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll I'll just do this bit. Mm-hmm. Grave this on your memory, lad. A world is supported by four things. She held up four big knuckled fingers. Don't know why the big knuckles are important. I don't really know. Does but it, I did like, like it. She has big, bally. I guess like authoritative. You would woman. imagine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But it's just big. It's, it's funny to imagine her having really tiny fingers like, in comparison to her knuckles. I like big knucks. <laughs> big knucks. <laughs> she's got um. She's got some, the apple, like knuckle dusters on. The apple knuckle hands. <laughs> God. Sorry. Okay, um, so there are four things a world is supported by four things the learning of the wise the justice of the great the prayers of the righteous and the valour of the brave but all of these are nothing she closed her fingers into a fist without a ruler who knows the art of ruling make that the, sci- the science of your tradition make that the science of your tradition make that the science of your tradition make that the science of your tradition what the hell does that mean don't know. But also, you must make it the science of your tradition. Well, okay, let's try and break this phrase down. Make that. What's what does she mean by the tradition? <laughs> does she mean like the way you go about living life, the the way that you think of the world, like your philosophy, or like? I literally have no idea. I have no idea where to begin with parsing this phrase. Yeah, let's not. Let's not bother. Let's just give up immediately. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing next to which I wrote just what. In small letters, because I... I was scared of it. Essentially, <laughs> you... just there is so much power in that phrase that means nothing. The only thing that I wrote was around that um, paragraph was Paul said is going to die, and everyone's kind of cool about it. I guess. I mean, but the, in the last chapter, Paul's Paul uh, gets Paul the news that his dad is going to die, and he's just like, okay, yeah. <laughs> he was sad for his mom. I don't, um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I... But then in this chapter, he is concerned actually. Mm. You know, he was like, "If we warned him, I mean, because this is a week since since he was visited, yeah. since he put his hand in the box, yeah. I mean, he's still thinking about it, yeah. Which obviously, which would. is really, really interesting, yeah. Because uh, like he hasn't experienced pain like that before, okay. And it's part of his coming into the world as a someone who experiences bad things, yeah. I mean, also in the which in is the... adulthood, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it was interesting where where he says the inhibitions went deep in reference to sort of having to fight the urge to hold himself back from saying things that she said to him or talking about what she did to him. Mm. Um, it says some interesting stuff about like their trauma. culture and the way that he was raised and also trauma. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna, yeah. Which was, I was like, Oh, uh, okay. Read yeah. that bit because it's good. Yeah. You, Paul Atreides, descendant of kings, son of a duke, you must learn to rule. It's something none of your ancestors learned. How rude, right? (laughs) Paul opened his eyes and said, That made me angry. And I said, My father rules an entire planet. (laughs) And she said, He's losing it. And I said, My father was getting a richer planet. And she said, 
he'll lose that one too. And I wanted to run and warn my father, but she said he'd already been warned by you, by mother, by many people. He's got a touch of the like Violet Beauregard, really. He's he's such a he's such a little precocious brat. little brat. Oh God, I know. He is well written as like a like a little annoying child's boy. She asked me what it is to rule, Paul said, and I said that one commands, and she said I had some lear- unlearning to do, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> true. Because he's like, you know, she says to him, what is it to rule? And he said, well, I would simply rule. I know, like, dude. You know, it's very simple, you just rule. <laughs> like, you, you haven't thought about this, Paul. No. Um... And then they do some, they talk about what it means to rule, persuade and not compel, etc. And then, and then Howard says, how do you think your father attracted men like Duncan and Gurney, Howard? Um, and then I wrote underneath that, they're all gay and they all love like, each other. By being sexy. Yes. Um, Paul's dad I mean, I mean, loves just... his generals and they all love each other. And it's lovely. And it's lovely. It's good. I do. I, I mean, I legit. I have feelings for Gurney Halleck. I know. I lo- when we get to him, <laughs> we have to talk about it's it. It's very weird for me. I relate to him, and also... Hmm. <laughs> he just... I don't know. The fact that he has like a, a rippling scar the across his face. The fact that he's fucking ugly. I love it. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. That's me. And, and also... He, he is spoiling for the fight, and he is also spoiling for music. I know. He, or whatever he says. He sings we'll a song, and he says the poem. He says the poem, um, and he also... Uh, it is artless to kill with a tip. Yes. Yes. Wink. We'll talk about that in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. Sorry. Um, but that would be, be good to talk about. Um, anyway, I mean, it's very weird for me. Yeah. I, I feel strange sort of experiencing this. Yeah. But, but I really okay. like I really like when she talks about the language of the rocks and growing things. The language that the language that you don't hear with just your ears. A good ruler has to learn his world's language. Yeah, that's what she's talking about. Yeah. But oh uh, yes, she says, "Kala, the land is empty. The moons will be your friends, the sun your enemy." And I find it really interesting. I imagine this is a Bene Gesserit thing, although it might be a her. Are we thing. saying is this a, a gift gif debate? Oh, I've been listening to too many podcasts who say Bene Gesserit in the way that I don't like. Bene Gesserit with a hard G? Yeah. I or with pref- a soft G? I prefer it with a hard G. But the audiobook that I've been listening to says Bene Gesserit and it just rubbed off on me. I re- also, in the audiobook that I've been listening to, Gurney Halleck has an inexplicable Scottish accent. Like a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, can you stop? Can you stop this? I can't believe he's Scottish and we didn't even know. It's painful to listen to. He's not Scottish. I refuse this. <laughs> this is not my headcanon. <laughs> but I like, I'm, I'm really interested in that sort of, that being in touch with the idea of nature yeah. and the world. And then Paul does a little bit of talking about nature and it's like, Paul, what the fuck are you talking about? He, he's like, what is nature? What is the now? And I'm like, this doesn't mean anything, Paul. Shut up. See, but these are all like kind of Buddhist questions. They're in yeah. 1965, where they're just blowing yeah. people's minds. Yeah, and Frank is like, I'm deep. Um, <laughs> also, um, can I talk about something that's going to happen in a few chapters? Yeah. Um, so he quotes the first law of Mentat at her, and it's like, how did he not realize that he was being trained to be a mentor from infancy. Like, come on. Like, come on, Paul. 
I mean, also, the, I mean, we've got to, we will talk about this in the episode that we talk about the chapter in. Yeah. But just, I've got to say, he realizes that he's been trained as a mentor mid sentence, which is while like, he is explaining in an ex- expositionally way to the audience about how mental training mentors happens. Are trained. And like uh, it happens in secret, and you're not supposed to know about it until you work it yes. out because you're a mental. Like, but I thought it happened in ah. Oh, poor you, stupid fuck. <laughs> poor you, idiot. He's a smart idiot. He's... <laughs> an absolute smart idiot <laughs> dumb genius <laughs> dumb genius Paul Atreides <laughs> we can't have another blank blank Paul Atreides episode title <laughs> um, I'm thinking of calling this one Paul's two hot dads but to know what you think three hot dads do you think Dr. Yue is a hot dad that's a difficult question I think we have to save the discussion of that until we reach the Yue yeah. chapter okay um, you is a sad dad. Yeah, he is a sad dad. He's a sad dad. Two hot dads and a sad dad. Two hot dads and a sad dad. Inside you, there are two dads. Oh god. One is hot. One is sad. <laughs> they have to fight or whatever <laughs> to establish supremacy. <laughs> Did you? Do you know what I'm referencing it? No. Oh. Is it me, Kingdom Hearts? No. Let me find oh, it. Okay. I'll find it. You do talking. I do talking. Uh-huh. I forgot how to talk. <laughs> do you I see do you talking? <laughs> Jesse <laughs> mm. do talking. Jesse do talking. Oh, okay, I want to say something quick about um, Salusa Secundus because it is mentioned in passing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yes, 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 yes. I have things to say about it too. Yes. So uh, Paul says, "My father has told me of Salusa Secundus." Yeah. Do you know Thuthir? It sounds much like Arrakis. Perhaps not quite as bad, but much like it. It's pretty fucking bad. It's a prison well, planet. When you when you find out what it is and you don't find this is the problem with reading ahead, okay? I I mean when I read it, it I looked up. We don't know what it was. In the glossary. In the glossary. Mm-hmm. But like it's a prison planet and also these mysterious super, super soldiers super are trained soldiers on it. come from there. I know. Um and we don't know where they're from or how they get to be so super. Um but I mean is the thing is the thing that they might be, you know, prisoners just pressed into Super soldierdom by, you know, the yeah, emperor. I imagine that's what's happening. Or genetically know, yeah. modified and yeah. against their will, and like it's very dystopian and very horrible. Okay. I mean, you do realize that the whole. What is this? Read out loud. A fight is going on inside me, he said to the boy. It is a terrible fight, and it is between two wolves. Between two deaths. One is not. <laughs> one, one is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow. Regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority. <laughs> <laughs> That's so many things that the wolf is. Yeah, but it's also some of my finest qualities. <laughs> some of my best ones. Like, <laughs> I, just, I didn't even get to reading the end of the list. I know. There were at least, you know, four, four or five more qualities to go. I know, it's very tough. What's it? What's it from? Um, I'm not entirely sure, um, but people made some memes about it. I guess. Okay. Such as inside us, there are two walls. One has depression. The other has depression. You have depression, <laughs> etc. That's good. Yeah, it's good. It's um, a good joke. Anyway, <laughs> what were we saying? Oh, Seleucus Secundus. Which you know is just mentioned in passing. Yeah. I mean, he's putting a little seed. Yeah. So that we can sort of worry about what it is. Yeah, but um, I'm I I'm, because you know the books come with a glossary. I sort of looked up in well, the glossary. Well, your book comes with a glossary. Oh, does yours not? No. Oh, mine has appendices. Ooh. 
Oh, it does have a glossary. I just wasn't looking for yeah, it. So, <laughs> it's so, one. Of, it's one of the appendices. So it says that they are actually. I might read it. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Um, read the glossary. Me. Read it in my glossary. <laughs> it's more likely than you think. Uh, third planet of Gamma Wiping, designated Imperial Prison Planet, after removal of the Royal Court to Kaitan. Seleucus Secundus is homeworld of House Carino and the second stopping point in migrations of the wandering Zen Sunni, which doesn't fucking mean anything, but. Zen and Sunni are both types of. um, Well, Zen is a type of Buddhism and Sunni is a type of Islam. Oh my god. Right? Oh my god. So Frank Herbert's being like, space! Space! It's full of Eastern religions! Space! Fremen tradition says they were slaves on SS for nine generations. Okay, so... So, I I want to talk about that. uh, Well, I don't think I have enough information to talk about it, really. Except, you know, um, both in this chapter and in the one that's a couple of chapters away, Mm -hmm. um, they talk about uh, how the, the, the Fremen... Are we saying Fremen? Yeah. We talk about how they talk about how the Fremen, so the the natives of Arrakis, yeah. could be used as a, a super uh, hardened war force I because know. of the terrible conditions that they have and to I endure was like, That's on their gross. planet. Um, but, I think... but we're we're saying that essentially the the Fremen and the people of Segundus yeah. they're d- descended from they're the people same people who lived in Segundus. And I thought it was really interesting because. Um, in in some of the the podcast listening that I was doing, mm. um, they indicated that that Fremen the name Fremen came from free men, yeah, um, which is why I thought it was a bit on the nose to it's pronounce a little bit on it Fremen. Um, but, but it's like you know how uh, uh, do you ever remember like early Latin classes yeah. where the 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 word for a freed slave in English was a freeman, freed freedman, freedman, freedman. Yes, it's a little bit like I was yeah, like, okay, great. This good. is this is. Not going to talk about sleeper directly then, I guess. Um, um, yeah, but I, I was like, wow, th- these people are so oppressed. <laughs> these yeah. people are so oppressed and so exploited. Yeah. And so thoroughly colonised. I mm-hmm. was like, this is fucking awful. I mean, awful. sometimes I feel like um, La Frank. La Frank. Mm-hmm. La Frank. La Frank. La Frank. La Herbert mm-hmm. was actually kind of more prescient than we maybe are giving him yeah, credit for. Probably, or maybe he's just playing on you know uh, universal themes. Yeah, I mean, and I think it feels pre- it feels prescient because it's universal yeah. themes. We sort of can't tell yet because I don't know exactly all of the the plot points that happen in this book and how how Frank comments on things like that. But also, I'm always suspicious of white people who write stories about like slavery and colonization. Because they're always looking to because, make it a, yeah. a, a, an, an analogy for yeah. something else. And they always... When, you know, slavery can just be about slavery. Yeah, like it happened. And the injustice of uh, yeah. being a slave. Because, like, I think it's a lot more close to home for people who are not white. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I mean, and obviously the reference here is, like, the ancient world. Yeah. And I mean, there are so many. There are so many. So many references. And they're really dumb. I mean, can I actually talk... Uh, can I, I issue a small correction about 
uh, something that I was saying a couple of episodes ago. Of course. Um, I got uh, some history wrong. Oh, no. Um, it, the uh, the book that I was referencing, well, the LA Review of Books uh, article that I was referencing about the one of the inspirations and sources for mm-hmm. some of the stuff in Dune. Um, it's called The Secret History of Dune uh, by Will Collins, um, and it's on the LA Review of Books website. Yes. Um, and the, 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 the work that it, it cites... Uh, is called uh, Sabres of Paradise. Yeah, you didn't say uh, anything about this on the last episode. I said it on the episode on the first episode. I didn't. Yes, I did. Oh, okay. Um, and it is by um, a, a British travel writer woman mm. called Leslie Blanche. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but it talks about how uh, a lot of the um, the words and the language and mm. some of the quotations in June, mm. some of the very best, most famous quotations in June mm. are ripped directly from this uh, extremely good and yet very underread book. Yeah, um, we should read it. I point. should. Re- I want to read it want right to read right it. now because it yeah. sounds so great. Can you buy it? Um, yeah, I think so. Oh, I will cool. see if see where I can buy it. Mm-hmm. Apparent, but I said I said something about early modern tribes in the desert and kind of warring factions and whatever yeah um and it wasn't it wasn't the uh, uh 16th century mm-hmm. it was the early 19th century oh cool so yeah correction correction um yeah but did and you... also it wasn't in it wasn't um uh, uh quote-unquote arabia yeah uh, it was the uh the desert steppes of russia oh interesting yes really interesting um and sort of central yeah. central asia do you have a thing to read from her um, that you started reading, and then I said, "No, save it for the podcast." Oh no, that was um, that was a an Upanishad. Oh, when we get to the Upanishad, yeah, bit, we'll get there. We'll I get guess there. I will. T- I will read um, it. Yeah, we have things to say about this one. We do, but so I mean, and when I say uh, 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 the C- Central Asia, um, I suppose I mean the Caucasus. Mm, I, yeah. Yes. Yep. Just wanted to say on air, Caucasus. Okay. Thank you. Great. I just want to say that it's good. Oh, it is good. Yeah. Oh, so... uh, yeah. So, um, killing with the tip. Killing with the tip. Lacks yeah. artistry. Where are we? Because that comes in some later chapters, but it's worth talking about now. Foreshadowing. Yeah. That's what we're doing. This is this is this entire because <laughs> we've both read ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I um, failed. In so Herbert also lifted two of June's most memorable memorable lines directly from Blanche when describing the Caucasian's fondness for swordplay. Blanche writes. To kill with the point lacked artistry. In June, this becomes killing with the tip lacks artistry. That's plagiarism. That's plagiarism. Um, Frank. Frank. Advice given Go to, to jail. Advice given to a young Paul Atreides by a loquacious weapons instructor. They don't bother to mention our woke king, Gurney Halleck. <laughs> we love him. We love him. Is he woke? Maybe he's unwoke. Problematic king. Problematic king. I like that. <laughs> Um, a Caucasian proverb recorded by Blanche transforms into a common desert aphorism. Polish comes from the city, wisdom from the hills. An apt saying for a mountain people becomes Polish from the cities, yeah. wisdom from the desert in Dune. First of all, you know, it's a real serious burn on cities because if you're equating Polish and wisdom, if you're comparing Polish and wisdom, yeah. wisdom, is wisdom wins every time. Yeah. So I'm looking at... Um, a part where Paul's sort of sitting down and thinking that there's one more day here. Mm-hmm. And he, he the idea of departure was, quote, suddenly more real to him than it, than it had ever been before. Um, and then it sort of makes me, yeah, 
it's what we were talking about earlier of like feeling that real fear of going to somewhere that will make you face life in mm-hmm. a way that you haven't before. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I moved out. Yeah. Which was nearly a year ago, by the way. Yeah. Anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um solitude anniversary. Oh. But I know, I just I remember feeling like, oh my god. Yeah. Like my I felt again, this is anxiety feeling. Yeah. Anxiety. But you're brain. like what the fuck? But you know, fuck? my life as I know it is going to to cease to exist. <laughs> I do have anxiety. Yeah. And also specific anxiety about going to different new places. Yeah. Um but, but yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, um, it was very relatable to me. Yeah. I did think that was good. Yeah. And then the thing he says afterwards, um he recalled another thing that old women had said about a world being the sum of many things. The people, the dirt, good. The growing things, the moons, the tides, the suns. Tag us off, I'm the dirt. Um, <laughs> the unknown sum called nature. A vague summation without any sense of the now. And he wondered, what is the now? Like, hmm. okay, great. Thanks, good bullshit, not expanded on. It's good, I love it. This is what we call a shower thought. Yeah. They are of no consequence. Like, you should not include them in your fantasy you put, epic. Why did you put this here? What is it for? Because he wants us to know that he's read, you know, know. the the Bhagavad Gita. It's like, and then we get to our favourite man. Our favourite man. Our favourite ugly man. The best man. Yes. Gurney Halleck. Do you want to read his entry? Um, yeah. The door across from Paul banged open and an ugly lump of a man lurched through it, preceded by a handful of weapons. I get a real Les energy from (laughs) Gurney Halleck. Gurney Halleck is a lesbian. Gurney Halleck is a he-him lesbian. Yes. Yep. Well, Gurney Halleck, Paul called, are you the new weapons master? Halleck kicked the door shut with one heel. I love it. You'd rather I came to play games, I know, he said. He glanced round the room, noting that Hoat's men already had been over it, checking, making it safe for a duke's heir. The subtle code signs were all around. First of all, uh, what is a code but a sign? But anyway, um, read some Umberto Echo. Paul watched the rolling ugly man set himself back in motion. I wrote a note here here that said, me too, bitch. (laughs) Rolling ugly man. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm one of those. I mean, I also, my feeling is that Gurney Halleck is maybe five foot one. Yes. That's a good height to be. Short king. That's us. Short king, Gurney Halleck. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so he just is awesome. And then he puts down all of his weapons. The rapiers, the bodkins, the kinjols. What's a bodkin? Well, Bodkins are like, Bodkins, I don't know, but they're in other fantasy. That's a dumb name. Bodkin. Shall we look them up? Some needles have happened. Uh-huh. Some needles have come up. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, like just like normal Sewing needle-sized needles. needles. Who put Bodkin weapon? Yeah, I guess so. Maybe there's something, Bodkins are two things. We on. Oh, they're just like swords, I guess. Oh, I guess. Yeah. Bodkins. Fine. Um, Kinjols, by the way, they are real. What are they? Um, They are a sort of pointy weapon. Small pointy. Ah, yes. (laughs) Ah, yes, a pointy weapon. It's one of those pointy types of weapons. One of those pointy ones. Um, You know one of the pointy ones? A weapon of the pointy variety. uh, uh, The Kinjol was, and again, I'm reading from The Secret History of June. Mm -hmm. Um... The personal weapon of the region's Islamic warriors. Ooh. Um, and it becomes a knife favoured by Herbert's techno-aristocrats. <sighs> As Blanche writes, no Caucasian man was properly dressed without his kinjal. The ink-fine scar along his jawline writhed as he turned. 
casting a smile across the room. Sexy. Yes, I was going to say. <laughs> hot and also good. Good good words for once, Frank Herbert. Thank you. Yes, I like ink vine. I like... Um, I like casting a smile across the room. Mm. Actually, let me say about Inkvine, because I looked that up in the glossary as well. Okay. And Inkvine, the way, the reason that this car is always preferred with Inkvine is because Inkvine is the weapon, like the the name of the weapon that caused this car, oh. which is a whip that is made of a certain vine that is used mostly on slaves in a certain area. So oh. that's why I'm... Because, I mean... I imagine that Gurney was... There is one. a little something yes. about um, being in a slave pit. Yeah. Um, I hate saying these words, I know, I hate it so much. I don't trust white people to write anything about slavery. No, I just don't. It sucks. It sucks. Um, but yeah, no, and also um, uh, Gurney Halleck's sister who died. Yeah. Um, which, you know. Yeah. So he's like a... Very he's like bad. A, uh, yeah. Sort of... Tragicomic figure. Yeah. He's sad, but also he's great. I love him. So it says Inkvine, colon, a creeping plant native to Gaiety Prime and frequently used as a whip in the slave cribs. <laughs> I did a face, but this is a podcast. You did a face and a shrug. Okay. Um, the, the slave cribs. Vi- victims are marked by beet coloured tattoos. Beet. You're gonna say not like gonna say beetroot. beetroot. You're just gonna say beet. It's an American thing, oh, isn't it? Beet. Yeah. Tattoos that cause residual pain for many years. Oh God. Poor. I mean, I think. Poor Gurney. People experiencing residual pain is a very fantasy trope. Yeah. And both Thufir and Gurney mm. experience some like Gurney. Like Thufir has old battle wounds yeah, or whatever. Does. Yeah. Um, and uh, Gurney has this scar. Yeah. But also, like, it's just to say, you know, just that I am old, but I have many stories. Yeah. You know. But I think like things, things being marked in the body, and like experiences continuing to like act themselves out physically on you mm-hmm. as you as you even after you healed from them. I think is. It's a very true thing, and also it's a very June thing. It feels yeah. thematically I mean, appropriate. This, this whole book has like a very um, sort of semiotic yeah. cast over it. Like you're supposed to be able to read things in people's yeah. um, voices, mm-hmm. in their physical appearances. You know, it's like very. I don't know. Yeah, there's a secret language. It's very and it's very clear. I think because of the way that. You know, this is a fantasy setting, so yeah. we don't know anything about the world that isn't told to us. Yeah. Um. So not only are we working out, but as but, a as a function of that, yeah. everyone is working the book each other is working, out, which yeah. is really I like that. I like that as a function. It's interesting that it was written by a person who like maybe is sometimes very clumsy with semiotics. Yeah. I mean, but you know, this code is, signs. This is this is what we call a queer reading. Yes. You take something bad and you make it good. Yep. By thinking about it a we're, lot, we're que- we're queering June here on this podcast. Queering June, that's a good good alternative title. Yeah. If, yes. So this this fantastic ugly man comes in here, calls Paul a young imp, and is great. Yeah, and then he's like, "Oh, so it's sass for our elders today." And I'm like, "Yes, I love you, Gurney." Um, and then Paul does like this very. I think this is bad writing. Um, Paul calls Duncan Idaho by both of his names, even though like they would all be intimately known yes. to one another. And then he's like, "Where's Duncan Idaho?" And then I wrote in capitals underneath that dumb name. <laughs> <laughs> but 
It's a stupid name. It is stupid. I don't... People don't even know what Idaho is in this one. Idaho has ceased to exist. I know. Idaho has been blown, like, nuked centuries ago. It's been ago. blown up 2,000 years ago. I know, like... Um, Why is that his name? Duncan yeah. Idaho. Duncan, Idaho. Sounds like a town in Idaho. I like how they all come in one after the, the other, though, and then all ask about each other, which to me is proof that they're all in love. Yeah. Well, like, they've got a lovely little polycule yeah, going Yeah, Paul's on. polycule of dads. <laughs> um, but it is very like, it is very like a play. Yeah, it is like a play. You know, because the character comes in, you know, he makes his remarks, he establishes his character and he leaves, and, he and leaves. the next one comes in. The next in. one does. It's really good. I actually found it, like, kind of quite formally yeah. satisfying. I did enjoy, like, meeting these people and having little, like, skits with them and then they went away. Yeah. I mean, Gurney, Gurney has, like... God, I love Gurney. Yeah. Uh, Duncan's gone to leave the sec- lead the second wave onto Arrakis. Halleck said, all you have left is poor Gurney who's fret out of fight and spoiling for music. I love him. He struck another chord, listened to it, smiled. I love him. <laughs> like, and, and it was decided in council that you being such a poor fighter, we best teach you the music trade so as you won't waste your life entire. Good. Shady. Uh, and then Gurney Halleck sings a song. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a bad song, but I still bad, love it. It is a bad song. I call it, um, yeah, I said it to the tune of California Girls, the Katy Perry song. <laughs> oh, 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 the girl <laughs> no, is singing girls. Stop it, stop it. will do it. I mean, girls. I do like, shut up. Leave me and alone. the Arky for Water. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, I do like how it's supposed to be a, like a bawdy, dirty ballad. Mm-hmm. But like the, 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 the sexual content of it is like so... Circumspect. There's nothing there. I like how he says, like, the only reference to sex is do it. (laughs) Doing it. Doing it. Doing it. Doing it. (laughs) Exactly. Doing it. Doing it. Uh, that's, um, that's one for the Flight of the Concords fans out yeah. there. Uh, let's see who gets that one, that reference. But if you desire dames, like consuming flames... By the way, bad scansion, don't like that. But yes, uh, it's, it's not a sexy song. Yes. Even though Gurney himself is a sexual man. Sorry, you can cut that bit out. I don't like saying the word sexual oh, like that. I was, I was sort of thinking that... Um, they they do like a sort of playful banter thing like they do. Um, well, I so you've forgotten what it's like to have sand in your bed, and then above what that does, I wrote what. What does that mean? I think he played a prank where he put sand in his bed, which sounds like a bad prank. Oh I no! I thought it was like maybe about um having sex with an Arakeen lady. Oh maybe. And but then he says, and then Halleck says, so it was your wicked hand that did that deed. So, I need to go back. Okay. My mother heard you singing a bawdy like that in the castle. She'd have your ears on the outer wall for oh decoration. Oh god! What a fucking nerd. Although you know he's he's like I've heard you play some very dirty songs <laughs> as well, Paul. Yep. Paul just Fool. composing a, a pornographic. <laughs> he's song. fifteen. He's fifteen. He's fifteen. And horny, because that's what fifteen-year-olds are like. I guess so. We don't have to talk Never about it. Never been one. Never been one. <laughs> Never been horny in my life. Never ever. Would not even know it's, where to... It's not my brand. Not my brand, no. Um, we say, after calling... <laughs> after calling Gurney hot for like... Five minutes. Yeah. Ten minutes. Seventy whole minutes. Forty-two minutes. Um, yeah. And then... They have like a... I thought it was very Shakespearean, their sort of banter. 
It reminded me of like that bit at the beginning of Romeo and Juliet, where the Montagues and the Capulets are kind of like oh, biting well, their thumbs at each other. I mean, I was thinking a bit about um, Henry V and Falstaff. Oh, which yeah. I think it might even be a slightly more apt comparison. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember that as well, but yeah. I mean, well, it is more apt. I'm. I mean, I'm not as versed in Shakespeare as you. I'm are. not versed in so Shakespeare whatsoever. Why are you being? <laughs> okay. I'm just being mean and shitty. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. I I only know as much as I know to get by, and whatever else I bullshit wildly. It's mm-hmm. okay. So, I mean, I, but the thing I really like about the banter is it just it all feels very forced and doesn't really make sense. I know. Um, it's great. And then they fight. Yeah. And it's good. It's good. It's, it's very It's a well-written fight. Cinematic. Yeah, I and like And I get it. all like these um, made-up um, made fencing terms. Yeah, which is like, fun. They kind of sound like they could be fencing, but I know. They're, they're not actually fencing. Stood in the agree, agree. Yes. Which I think is eagle. Oh, cool! That's cool. Yeah, like a like a, and Ka-ka! also that's his, <laughs> but also that's his um that's his house thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very. I mean, eagle is a very boring. You know, it's highly loaded with significance because of the eagle of the Roman Empire. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, I mean, also I think on another page he says something about holding his hand entre tisser, entre tisser which I had to look this up because my French is not that good. Mm-hmm. But uh, it means inter- interwoven. I don't think it is I don't think it is a real real fencing term, but it sounds like it could be. And I don't know how you can bring your left hand up entre tisser, but uh you know, that's good nice word. Nice word. Yep. I like it. Cool. Very nice. Great. So they do fighty. They fighty fighty. And then Paul thinks Gunny is betraying him because he's trying to disprove that like you know, you only fight when you're in the mood for it. And he's trying to impress on Paul. I mean, Paul. he's just trying to be a good fighting teacher. Yeah, he's trying to be a good fighting teacher. He's trying to impress on Paul that, like, fighting is, like, a thing you do because you have to. Yeah. And not, like, you know, Paul is playing, but he shouldn't be playing because mm. things are serious now. He's because growing he's... up, rite of passage, etc. Yes, it is very rite of passage, mm-hmm. etc. Um, Themes. Themes. Yes, it is very themes. <laughs> themes, 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 um, themes. I'm going to cough, sorry. Okay. So, and then, then we have the Kinjal bit. hmm Where, you know, it's just the typical... It's like, I find this very cinematic. Like, I think it's almost... It is highly... It's sort very of cinematic. Visual. I did yeah. think it was a very it's exciting a, fight scene. Yeah, it's a well it's a well written fight because you can visualise it mm-hmm. well. And um, they, they do the very kind of cinema, some cinematic trope yeah. thing where, you know, you think Paul has won, yeah. but then he looks down and realises that the kinjal is pointing at a very sensitive place. His, and yes, his, his groin. His, uh, uh, yes. Uh, yes, groin. And they do some fun, like, tension with paragraph, you know, line breaks and stuff, and which was fun. And then af- after they sort of come to a, an, uh, a draw, I guess, mm-hmm. um, the... Gurney is hot again and he says uh, you seem to get the mood and then it says and he grinned wolfishly the ink vine scar rippling rippling on his jaw. rippling on his jaw I'm like mmm yes yes ugly man ugly man we love it Paul is like uh, if I told my dad on you you would be in trouble but I don't want you to be in trouble because I'm nice. Yeah, and then Gunny's like, I wouldn't be in trouble. It's fine. I'm doing. I'm doing. I'm doing a good my thing. job. Yeah. So okay. So the story about the scar. 
Um, he looked at the beet-coloured ink-vine scar on the man's jaw, remembering the story of how he had been put there by the beast Raban, mm. whoever that is, in a Harkon and slave pit on Gady Prime. Mm-hmm. And Paul felt a sudden shame that he had doubted Halleck, even for an instant. Yeah. It occurred to Paul then that the making of Halleck's scar had been accompanied by pain, a pain as like, intense, perhaps, as that inflicted by the Reverend Mother. Did Paul just never think about pain before hmm. that happened? I wonder if pain is a thing. Probably did, not. Did he know what pain was? Maybe he stubbed his toe once and he thought that was as bad oh, as it got. now I've experienced pain. Now Maybe I've... other people have also yeah. experienced pain. Paul learns empathy through the pain hand box. Like, you know, I mean, of and of course the pain hand box was very painful. Yeah. But also, like... He... Paul, other people are in pain this a lot of guy time. guy flipping whipped in, the, in face. the face. And it left a scar and he was a slave. That's probably very painful. That's probably really. Like, people people have much worse lives than you, Paul. Paul is a little baby. He's a little... He's baby. He's baby. He is baby. He's problematic baby. Yeah. And then... And then... Um, Gurney talks about his fridge sister, and it is quite sad and tough. And then Paul does clever little sword fighting because he's the perfect boy and he's very clever and also an idiot. The clever little devil, Halleck Halleck thought. He's been practising and studying on his own. That's not Duncan's style and it's certainly nothing I've taught him. And then it says, he began to wonder about Paul. If the boy ever listened fearfully to his pillow throbbing in the night. I also wrote, what what? does that mean? Why would a pillow throb? Why would you be scared of What's it mean? a pillow throbbing in the night? What's it mean? I mean, if my pillow started to throb in the night, I would, I would be, be scared. F- Why would the pillow throb? What um, does that mean? I mean, he also says, um, uh, Gurney Halleck says, I'm infected by mood. Which... Me too. Yeah, mood. I want a t-shirt that says, I'm infected I'm by mood. I'm infected by mood. Um, Did you get me a t-shirt that says mood? I got you a t-shirt that says mood for your birthday. Yes. And is it when I look at myself in the mirror wearing it, I always misread it as doom, which I think is a better thing to have on a t-shirt. <laughs> I think I should have a t-shirt that says doom. doom. Or maybe we should. Uh, I don't know who feels who's who's the mood and who's the doom. Um, I think it's like who's the worm and who's the spice. It depends on it the depends, day. It depends. Yeah. I I mean I did think of another thing. Halleck has this little um, uh, internal monologue. Mm. Um. Where when he's like seeing Paul fight with the sort of fighting mm-hmm. dummy yeah. thingy. Um, by the way, that's a good scene in the movie. Is it? It's very good. Because yeah. he like gets followed around by this box thing, oh. and there's like big flashing squares. And then oh, so good in the bad Carl way. Carl McLaughlin is just doing, you know, like uh, a concentration face. Yeah. Uh, Great. And good. reaction face. Oh, good. God, I love Carl McLaughlin. Someone, someone said to me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> Dune is a bad movie, but we'll say it's good despite David Lynch. Yes. <laughs> David, I mean, Dune is my favourite David Lynch movie. <laughs> Fuck you, David Lynch. Oh, poor David Lynch. So, I mean, okay, so ha- D- Gurney Halleck says, um, I'm oh. the well-trained fruit tree, oh, yes, I he thought, full of well-trained feelings and abilities and all of them grafted onto me, all bearing for someone else to pick. That's um in- inscrutable. <laughs> the... I don't understand that. So only, for some reason, it doesn't remind me of it because it's not similar, but it does make me think of, I was, <laughs> I read The Bell Jar when I was sad and 18. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, and she talks about being a tree and like, a, I think it was a pear tree. 
Mm. And like the different paths that her life could go and how she didn't like any of them and wanted to die, I think. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. Moment of silence for Sylvia Plath. Yeah. Press F to venerate Sylvia how- Plath. <laughs> how long how long is the silence? Just a little bit. Okay. Um <laughs> Um I I was uh, I, I, the thing that it reminded me of was um the Odyssey. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, and I can't remember, but uh, Odysseus gets compared to um, an olive tree. Oh. Um, which is A, a thing about Athena, because Athena invented olive trees. Mm-hmm. Um, she made them up. She, she, she invented did. olive trees, she did. Right. Um, but she, uh, it's also to do with like the uh, the usefulness of his body. Mm. Um, and I mean, in the Odyssey, it's like unbelievably yeah. beautiful. It's and just, in this, it's, it's like just, what? It's, <laughs> but it, it really makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but I did think there was something kind of um, epic and timeless yeah. about comparing yourself to tree. Yeah. I mean, there uh, probably is a reference to that with all of the classical references that it does. Have. I don't know. I mean, I actually want to. Um, uh, I want to tell you a bit more about the fruit tree. Yeah. And I want to. Do you think you can find the passage? The fruit is. tree from the Odyssey. Yeah. Um, Odysseus. Odysseus. Also, in the olive, in in the, in his bed is also the bed, the marriage bed, his and Penelope's marriage bed. Yeah. It gets broken. Oh no! Um, by the suit. It was a special bed. Yes, it is. It is made of of olive tree. There's a lot of ol- oh, olive tree stuff. That makes in sense. The, in the because uh, um, uh, Athena likes him, doesn't she? Athena is super into Odysseus. <laughs> Great. Um, but I remember when we were we were talking about that when we were like. 17 or something and you were talking about beautiful trees in the odyssey mm-hmm. it like in relation to that do you remember because i can't find the citation i i mean i don't remember what you said exactly i can't but remember we anything from when i was 18 because i was very depressed yeah <laughs> i mean we were comparing beautiful the comparison of beautiful people to beautiful trees and how that is very funny and also very could it can be very serious and beautiful yeah. and was used in the odyssey uh-huh. Yeah. Speaking of being very depressed. Um <laughs> Are we showing too much of ourselves on fine. this podcast? Um I've he... listened to some other export audio things and everyone is very open about their mental illnesses. Yeah, so it's fine. <laughs> what have you listened to? Um I listened to one thing about Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. It's all a bit Is it's... it the one the it's goofy one. The, yes. <laughs> That's good. Very episode. well named. I was like, I am proud to be part of a podcast network <laughs> where uh, Gurney recalls his mother expression that he used when he felt the blackness of tomorrow on him. Ooh. And yes. 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 That's a mood, right? And then the next bit is just so limp and pathetic. I know. The bl- after the, the blackness of tomorrow, you just get this most boring quotidian I phrase. I know. But, um,. Yeah, I mean, as, aside from, I try really hard to move away when I'm making things, to move away from having blackness and and lightness and whiteness yeah. as a thing that, you know... Because it's pure dog whistle. Connotes like, good and bad, yeah. because that, you know, that type of language is the foundation of racism and, and like, you know, global anti-blackness and it's something to unlearn, but also... It's a really good expression, I think. Um, and also, I mean, I think it is so deeply entrenched in the culture. Mm. It is very hard to disengage yourself from it. But I think I was a bit unfair about um, Herodotus and the histories. Because mm-hmm. um, we were saying a lot about how 
um, it's history on a macro level. Yeah. And we were talking about how it's all about the movements of ships and armies. Mm. Um, and that's bad. Mm-hmm. But it's not all about ships and armies. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a bunch of ships and armies stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, and that's very boring. Yeah. And also, like, I never quite worked out how ships fight. Yeah. In the ocean, yeah. <laughs> they grow big arms and punch each other. They're like a big hammer they comes out the into, side. They turn into mechs and have swords, and yeah. then they sword fight. Well, I mean, apparently <laughs> that they, sounds cool. Apparently, they ram each other, and people fall in the ocean and drown. Oh, less less exciting. Less exciting. They should turn into mechs. They should turn into mechs. Greeks, why didn't you get on that? <laughs> I think a thing that Herodotus is really concerned about, which this book is utterly concerned about mm-hmm. is about how um how great men get to be so great yeah yeah and so they are interested in this talking book about is extremely concerned about this is that. this is all about how this one dude became becomes the messiah man. yeah um and i'm like i mean and obviously this is the conservative a form of history and that oh great men drive history yeah um and so it's important to know what their mums were like and what their dads were like yeah. and what their dancing masters and tutors were like yeah so you find out how they became such a great man who made great decisions and changed and history exactly all by themselves exactly so you're talking about um like the athenian general whose name i can't remember because it's been a little while it's been a while let me look up his name and then you can were. you can edit it back in so so i sound like i know what i'm talking I'm not about do that. athenian general uh asbites and, and miltiades those guys <laughs> Um, but I was listening, I was at the gym and I was listening to uh, They when Might Be were... Giants playlist that my friend made me. <laughs> That's nice. Um, yeah, Shout really out nice. Ray's friend. Shout out to Nathan. Nathan Nathan is my worm of the week of my heart. Um, That's nice. <laughs> um, but in, in the playlist there is a song called Kiss Me, Son of God. And <laughs> it, it's so poor. It's extremely poor. Um, I feel like it's not outside of the realm of possibility that they might be giants would write a song about Dune or inspired by Dune. I wouldn't be so surprised. But yeah, the lyrics are like, I built a little empire out of some crazy garbage called (laughs) called the blood of the exploited working class. They've overcome their shyness and they're calling me your highness and a world screams, kiss me, son of God. That's great. I look like Jesus, so they say, but Mr. Jesus is very far away. Now you're the only one here who can tell me if it's true that you love me and I love me. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's very good. It's really good. (laughs) I I am pro this. It's good. Um, it, it just made me think of Paul. Anyway, talk to you. I talk to you. The second so chapter of this, two chapters. This chapter I find like kind of sad. Yeah. This is gonna be a long fucking podcast. I know. We we I think we are already over an hour. I looked up what imperial conditioning meant and the yes, because he's not a mentat. Yeah, he's not a mentat, but like imperial conditioning is like conditioning against like you can't kill anyone. That's good. It's cool. Um, Is it like taking the Hippocratic Oath, except... Except you're like... It's binding and it's inside your body and mind. Yeah, it's inside your body and mind and you can't break it. Imperial conditioning. A development of the Sukh medical schools, the highest conditioning against taking human life. Initiates are marked by a diamond tattoo on the forehead and are permitted to wear their hair long and bound by a silver Sukh ring. Which... 
Are men not usually allowed to wear their hair long in June? Uh, That's the most boring thing ever. It is so boring. I think fashion is really underserved in June. Yes. Do you, and you I think, care more about fashion? I mean, and I think the the people who did the movie, mm. the David Lynch they movie, did, did a great job. They did. They did. <laughs> Sting's little pants and his sweaty it's chest. Metal underpants. Uh-huh. All of and I like the fact that everything was like um, they did a Henry VIII biopic. Yeah. And then they took all of the costumes and they put like <laughs> they metal put metal shit on them, and yeah. then they put them in June. It's the future. Like I love how Paul is like wearing a, a velvet doublet and hose. I know it's great. I mean, I'm really interested in how, like, um, I re- I like. I like sci-fi that's like things got really advanced and then kind of devolved into like really formal, archaic like um, you know mm. structures of being. I'm really interested in that. Mm-hmm. But also, it's like um, like damn, this is just <laughs> this is just you know we didn't do something else. We didn't do another thing. History, don't you know? History is the same every uh, every one thousand years. Uh, yes, it's it a kind circle. of you go back to the same yeah. thing. Like, did we did we try communism? Did we try like you know a utop like? You well, know? I mean, the, the point of the thing is that everyone has puffy sleeves. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Which is good. I like once that. every one thousand years. I do years. enjoy that. Um. Yeah. See, this isn't a really interesting quote because it's not narrative. Yeah, it's just a it's just a definition. So it's like. UA Wellington standard uh, 10,082 to 10,191 is this what date what date I is think this? this is um sort of the standard standard date recording yeah I wonder what it's measured against I don't know maybe maybe zero is you know AD is the birth of Jesus ah yes it would make <laughs> sense for June for everything to still be based around Jesus well you've got you've still got the bible yeah it's a different type of one. Orange Catholic Bible. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of um, Which... the Real Housewives of Orange Catholic County Bible. And also, <laughs> I like Sorry. that um, UI gives him a very precious antique ebook of it. <laughs> this chapter <laughs> as a special gift. Yeah, that's um, good. Yeah, I mean, but also, I think the description of that book is one of the most sort of genuinely yeah. inventive. I thought it was a really fascinating piece of world building. Yeah. Um, yeah, medical doctor of the Souk School in, when he graduated or whatever. Uh, married Wana Marcus. Um, Bene Gesserit. Chief, yep, Bene Gesserit. Chiefly noted as a betrayer of Duke Leto Atreides. Blah blah. Imperial conditioning and betrayal. The Bibliography, blah, 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 blah. Just like how he he is an entry in some book as uh, betrayal uh, under, under betrayal. <laughs> There's just a picture of Doctor Yue. I know, but but also it's really interesting how complex his feelings are about betrayal. Yeah, I do, I mean I do think this is one of the, despite the obvious outright racism. Yeah. As, or embedded yeah. in the way that Dr. Yui is sort of portrayed. Yeah. He is a complex feeling is. character. And it's a He's shame really that Frank Herbert did a racism. He did a racism. Did. It's very dog whistly about him yeah. being like a feminised Asian man with a oh, high yeah. voice and a, and a drooping, drooping moustache. And then later, later on in the book, his skin is described as the colour of butter, which is bad. 
Um, I mean, and also you you kind of have to put your sci-fi brain on and think maybe he's he was the color of butter. But obviously, if you're talking about an Asian person, I know. it's just it's, it's still, just awful. Like someone with the hallmarks like just, of an Asian stereotype. You're just using it, it so, to do racism. It's really you're using it's sci-fi really to do gross. racism. It's gross. How can you use sci-fi for evil? <laughs> wow, a completely novel concept using sci-fi to do racism. I know. I'm sorry. Um. I think I just want to point out that Paul Paul casually mentioned just having a masseuse, just having a little <laughs> casual massage. Paul's life is the best. This chapter. Paul not going like, to get any massages on Arrakis. He might. He might probably will. It's not masseuses that are in short supply. <laughs> just water. Yeah. Listen to the languor in this description. Oh, yeah. Paul remained stretched out, face down on the exercise table where the masseuse had left him. Damn. He felt deliciously relaxed after the workout with Gurney Halleck. Which, yo. I know. Can that be me? I know. He is the son of a duke. I know, and he just like goes, goes around like swathed in cotton Velvet and jerkins and, you jerkins. know. Jerkins. <laughs> so many jerkins. It's like, it's like phase leotard. I never go out without a minimum of five jerkins on. <laughs> At any one time. Um, I thought I thought it was cute and sad that Paul was excited to see his father. We won't read the description of Dr. Yue because it's racist. Um, they do a bit of talking about who the free, the Fremen are. Yeah. Um, and how everyone's fierce and the men yeah. uh, compose uh, poems to their knives, which I thought which was good. I love. That's great. That but also, great. they do a bit of racism about it. Yes. Um, because they're supposed to be, you know, like Central Asians yeah. and whatever. Um, that's, that's the that's the equivalency. Yeah, rolls eyes. By the you know, way. looking outwards, um, thinking of you know people of different cultures is like completely different and difficult to understand, etc. They're so different. They might as well be from space, uh, um, from a desert planet. Uh, U.S. says. However, I've arranged for you to have a film book for you and several lessons during the cross- crossing to Arrakis. And Paul just says, "Oh," <laughs> and I'm like. He's baby. <laughs> he's just baby. You expect him to study when he's baby? He just wants to look out of the window. And think about being Jesus. Yeah. Anyway, he's excited to see his biological dad. <laughs> As opposed to his emotional dads. His his emotional support dads. His emotional support dads. Dr. Yue gives him uh, a different type of book. There's not a film book. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, it's a very old Orange Catholic Bible mm. made for space travellers. Not a film book, but actually printed on filament paper. Mm. It has its own magnifier and electrostatic charge system. The book is held closed by the charge, which forces against spring-locked covers. You press the edge, thus, and the pages you've selected repel each other, and the book opens. Um, and it's so tiny and delicate, and the pages are too delicate to touch. Um, and I just thought, what an amazing... I know. That's actually a fantastic object. I really like that. And I like the idea... I mean, I'm really interested by, like, um, manuscripts and books and holy books and, mm. like, you know, treasure texts and stuff like that. I think they're really cool. I think the different types of ones that you can have are really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, an interesting concept in, like... It is. Having a Bible like that. Yeah. Um, and also... I, can I read the passage out that he finds that mm-hmm. his yeah. that Doctor Yue's dead wife liked and is sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so think you of the fact, which is great, I love it, that a deaf. Person, I mean, it's, it's exactly as clumsy as the actual Bible. Think you of the fact. Um, think you of the fact that a deaf person cannot hear. 
Then, what deafness may we not all possess? What senses do we lack that we cannot see and cannot hear another world all around us? What is there around us that we cannot, and then he's cut off, but mm-hmm. what do you think that this little bit means in the context of the rest of the book? I mean, I think it is a really sort of interesting um, passage about sensing and noting signs. Yeah, and perception and experience. Yeah, and, and what, what, you can, what you can see and what you can't see, yeah. um, and what you know to look out for and what you don't know to look out for. It's interesting. And the whole, the whole point of, of, of Paul mm. is that he does have these hyper, highly sensitive, hypersensitized yeah. man- ways of per- perceiving. Mm. So not only does he have the Bene Gesserit training, he's also like politically trained, mm. um, and I think there's somewhere... Yeah. That you know, actually, it's in the next chapter where yeah. they talk about Paul being, you know, making these highly educated, yeah, educated guesses all the time. Yeah, observations. Yeah. Mm. Um, the thing about being the Kwisatz Haderach mm. is that he has the ability to sense a different dimension. Yeah, and he can fold. T- I don't know if this is going to be the case, but yeah. if he can travel back through the male and female lines, yeah, he can fold time without the spice. Yeah. So he can do, he, he has this extra layer of perception that no one else has. Yeah. But also, it made me think about privilege, right? Uh, and like what you don't understand through privilege and what experiences you can't comprehend and what maybe what sort of empathy you haven't reached yet through privilege. Privilege as, I mean, deafness isn't bad, it's a different way of communicating, and the whole deaf community would probably take issue with the idea that, like, you know, but what limited perception does privilege give you, mm-hmm. I guess? I mean, that's probably not what, you know, the author's dead, literally. He is he's that bitch dead. Um, <laughs> so it doesn't matter what he meant by this. But it's interesting to think about in terms of, like, you know, privilege. Yeah, I mean, also, when it, uh, going back to our previous discussions about humanity mm-hmm. and what is a human and what isn't, mm-hmm. I and mean, you talked about the idea that a human is someone who has... Um, a mastery of, of of their mind. This is what a human can perceive that a a, a human being can't. You know, like mm. a a human a human can can sense and perceive because like the whole mm. the whole um uh distinction is set up between those who have the extrasensory or extra intellectual perception mm. functions, yeah. like the Bene Gesserit, the Mentats. You know, those who have imperial conditioning, um, and the humans of various stripes that we don't know about yet versus mm-hmm. people who don't have any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how are those people, they are More in some human. way like, and also ordained the, the, to, to rule. Like, this is a pro-imperial text. Yeah. This is not a socialist text by any stretch of the imagination. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, extremely ableist. <laughs> it is. Uh-huh. It is all kind of bad and as you say, eugenics-y. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. But, but anyway. shall we talk about how this chapter is sad? Because... You is like, you know, you have all this dramatic irony about how you is going to betray them and to the Harkonnens, and then you find out why he's going to betray them because they have his wife and they they're harming her in some way. Or is she no, dead? The wife is dead. Yeah, the wife the is wife all is, the way dead. Yeah, the wife is dead. And but they... the Harkonnens still have him enthralled to some. And actually, the the, the reveal, which comes in about a hundred pages, mm-hmm. um, is great. And so I won't talk about it. That's exciting. I can't. I'm um, interested. I'm... I mean, I was not expected to be as interested yeah. in Doctor Duer as I was. Yeah, I'm so I'm excited to get to. That. Um, yeah, but he gives he gives Paul a gift, and it's not it's not a gift with any ulterior motive. He just mm-hmm. he wants to give Paul a gift, 
and he and he, he genuinely was... wants to give this gift and he feels so guilty and conflicted about the mm. betrayal he's going but to he's do. But he's also he's also wanting to salve Paul with religion before yeah. he then does the most upsetting thing to impossible which is kill his dad. Yeah. And then and imprison him and his yeah. mom. And they also he thinks really he he is overthinking like how every one of his actions or how everything that he does comes across that may might give a signal to his his future betrayal, which I think is really interesting as well. Mm. Um, and he's really, he's he has a continuous moral crisis over it, um, which is sad. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, yeah, I really like his final, his final um, part of internal monologue, because he has parts of internal monologue that are sort of peppered all the way through this. Mm. Um, and it's all, it's sort of observations about what he's doing, and how he feels about Paul, mm-hmm. and you know, just general. I don't know. I think it is just a really useful, interesting mm. insight into this yeah. character who we don't know very well, but yeah. you know. But the end from from like I thank you for the gift or to UA is like it's really sad. Mm. It's really sweet. So yeah, UA says, "Why do I stand here torturing myself and torturing this poor lad, though he does not know it?" Oh yeah. Because, because he is ethnic. Yeah. Capital E, ethnic. ethnic. Damn those Harkonnen beasts, why do they choose me for their abomination? Mm. So he knows what he's doing is yeah. bad. Yeah. But he But he has to do it. He has to do it. He can't not. They found the lever, whatever that was. The what? That moved the doctor. You know, it was in the second chapter. Oh. <laughs> we found the lever that moved the doctor. Oh, I thought you said the the the, the lever. The lever. The lever. I say lever. I don't know what how it's supposed to be said. Lever. Okay. But I think it's really sweet that, like, because Ewa gives him the gift, kind of to, like, compensate for what he's about to do. Mm-hmm. And then Paul is like, if there's anything I can do for you, tell, like, I'll do it. Tell me what it is. And Ewa's like, oh. I know. He feel bad. He feel bad. Do you have a worm of the week? She is the worm of the week. She is the worm of the week. They call me Dr. Worm. My worm of the week is um, Worms on a String. Worm on the Strings. Oh, yeah. Worms on the Strings. Worms on Strings. Yeah, they're really good. <laughs> what is a worm on the string? Describe for the audience, please. Yeah. For um, me, because I don't know what one is. This is a worm on a string. Okay. What it's, is it? It's good. I'm not entirely sure what they're for. Describe it. Describe um, its physical properties. Okay, so they're like some some long poke cleaner looking dudes. Uh-huh. Um but they're they're sort of looser and wiggly and I don't think they have a wire in them. They have googly eyes. They have two googly eyes on them. Um uh this Amazon listen calls them Magic Wiggly Twisty Fuzzy Worm Toy Purple, which oh is really, which is good. That is the cutest listing ever. Um, they're also known as squirmels. Um, they're mm. controlled by a string. You can kind of jiggle them so that they wiggle around on the string. Um, and they're very cute and good and just like nice to have and be around. Um, they improve your quality of life. Yes, they're some happy little twisty friends. Um, so my worm of the week is worms on a string. Great. They've recently been adopted by gays on Twitter as like some sort of inexplicable mascot. Great. That sounds ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, my worm of the week I've just decided is the uh the deer of worms. Oh, the deer of worms. The deer of worms. Ah, good old Ma- Martin Luther. Yes. Yes, the is German it, one. The German one. Martin Luther. 
Martin Luther. Martin Luther? Ja. Ja. Um, I was actually in, ich bin Martin Luther. I was actually in um, Germany for the 500th anniversary of the uh, uh, Reformation. Oh, damn. And no one cared. No one gave a fuck. Yes. <laughs> But I was talking with someone, I was talking with someone at work today who was, who was telling me about uh, mm -hmm. the Reformation. At your Christian job. At my Christian job. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't know how much, it, I mean, I, I feel like I really want to bleep some details out about my job. Um, but it is the only thing I do they except won't find sleep. You. <laughs> um, they won't find me. They better not find me because I do a lot of swears mm -hmm. on this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I say that people are sexy, oh, which is very off-brand yes. for me. How I think it would be awful if anybody ever found out that you thought someone was sexy. Yeah. It would absolutely ruin your reputation. It would ruin my image. reputation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and also, I mean, this person who is proper Christian and a mm -hmm. real church nerd. Uh, was just like, yeah, okay. So uh, talking about how uh, confirmations mm -hmm. um, and how the necessity of uh, understanding and being a part an active participant, making choices mm -hmm. uh, in... Uh, mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, that's thanks. cool. The first part of that sentence was totally irrelevant. <laughs> um, we, continue. We also... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we also had uh, a discussion as to whether um, uh, Joffrey from Game of Thrones was hot or not. Oh no! I was on the side of no. No, he's he, he is a child man. He's a child man. Yeah, I don't like him. He also, he don't. I just he has like a sort of kind of half finished face. Yeah, a sort of like point, it's made sort out of pointy of... teeth. Yeah. He looks like he somebody looks... drew an anime boy when they were 15. And it came to life. And he turned into a person and didn't look as good as the person thought that he would. Yeah, like when you turn the paper upside down, you realize you've drawn all the features too. Yeah, like you're a bit like, wonky. Oh no. Yeah. Okay. But apparently, um, he's 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 um stopped acting and he's become an academic and his oh. uh, his PhD is in um uh theology of religion and uh, my colleague was like yeah that's super hot I was really I am inclined to, to agree that it is super hot yeah I mean I was really interested in I was really curious about how this connected to the Duke of Thrones and the ninety five thesis but it, it did doesn't connect. oh a little bit he's <laughs> you know he studies the, the thing. Yeah. Um, so anyway. So what do you like about the Dia de Worms that makes it your worm um, of the week? Nothing. Your worm just, of the week. The worm of the week. Well, I mean, I always liked how in history classes, because it's spelt like diet of worms. Yeah, it makes you think about eating, eating worms. worms. Oh, do you remember that song? Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I think I'm gonna eat worms. Worms. This squishy ones, little bit skinny ones. See how the, they wiggle and squirm. Are we gonna put this in the podcast? Bite their heads Stop off. Stop it. They're lovely. Slurp, they're Throw lovely. their tails away. Their tails, they're all tail. Nobody knows how large I grow on worms three times a day. <laughs> See, I remember, I remember the line being how big I grows. How big I grows. <laughs> But how large I grows is like much better. How large I grows is, you know, it's it's very much a mood to be like, fuck it. <laughs> Nobody I'm, loves I'm me. I'm going to go and eat worms so that you all feel bad when you see me eating worms and you think, I should have loved them. And now they're eating worms and it's my fault. Yeah, it's great. I think it's a really good um, mm -hmm. guilt strategy. It's good. It's great. I liked, uh, I like how it tells you to throw their tails away. Yeah. What part, where does the tail begin on the worm? Um, of the worm, what part is the tail? I don't know. It might have been throw their skins away. I'm not sure. Oh, God, that's really awful. Because you bite their heads off and then you shove all their insides out. This is a comedy podcast. 
Because so, um, this is a comedy. Just so you know. Just so you know, this is a comedy podcast. You Don't might, forget. You might not think it, but it is. A comedy yes, podcast. you may not remember to laugh. <laughs> this one's comedy, folks. Um, I mean, and I do get a lot of things wrong about. Uh, the ancient Greeks. It's fine. So you're allowed to laugh at that and pelt me with stones, tomes, tomes. Um, so, so I asked on Twitter for people to send in questions because we were recording, uh-huh. and only one uh, one person asked a question, but it Yay. is a good question. Okay, it was Nora, our good friend Nora, our good friend who Nora, like. who I've never met. Yes, but she's great. Okay. Um, and Nora, I, I, I approve of you. Nora says, how do you think Paul likes his sandwiches prepared? And what types does he prefer? Cucumber with the crust cut off. <laughs> I was thinking like ham and margarine with the crust cut off. No, no, no. He's got his posh. He's posh. Oh, he's posh. He's posh. Yeah, then cucumber. Cucumber, yeah. white bread, butter, no crusts. And then like a sparkling water with a little bit of mint in it. Yes. Yeah. A little slice of lemon. Butter, no crusts. With a with a the special boy. Sand which wink <laughs> wink Sand Yep, I, I understand. I guess Like you. on the planet Arrakis. Uh, yeah, I understand. <laughs> also known as June. <laughs> um Um Are you the worm or the spice today? Today, Matthew. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be the worm. Great. I'm the spice I guess. And remember, make that the science of your tradition. Make that the science of your tradition. I'm skanking on a dark slot. I'm drunk off that Hennessy. I ain't sober. I don't mix with Coca Cola or soda. But right now I'm on a roller. I take a look over my shoulder. And I see this sexy thing. But I think it's time to work my way over. So I shuffle on my heels and I bounce on my toes. I'm crazy and she knows. Still, it's all good, I suppose. Cause she didn't complain. She backed it up. So I got behind her and I lapped it up. Then we danced all night. Came up, then I took it to my yard and I wrapped it up.